0: Well, it's the reality around here, what God is doing and desiring to do here at Dwelling Place. And uh, so far in the month of January, we've been looking at the series titled It's Time to Grow. And you know, I've found that when God is speaking corporately to a people, He also is speaking that to individuals. So I believe God is speaking that to you who are here today, those that are listening. I believe that God is speaking that to our marriages. I believe God is speaking that to all of us. And as we continue forward in this series, it's time to grow. I want us to look at our main passage today up front in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, beginning in verse 3. 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 3. As you're doing that, if you don't have a sermon card, you can put your hand in the air and someone will serve you and get this to you. Most importantly, this is for you to go back over what is being communicated today throughout the week. See, we still believe that God speaks to His people. And because of that, we believe that what God speaks, we should prioritize it. Amen. Anybody still believe that? Come on, am I in a church that's alive this morning? Amen. So that's why we do these sermon cards for you, to help serve you and to prioritize what God is saying to you. But in 2 Chronicles 26 and verse 3, it says, Uzziah. So you didn't know that's how you say it in Hebrew, did you? I wouldn't have got that translation in Kentucky where I grew up in. But that's what you get when you look it Look it up. Uzziah was 16 years old. Notice that if there's any young people here this morning. was 16 years old when he became king. That's a mighty undertaking, by the way. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. Now, I have found if you're in leadership, much less if you're a king in a nation, that you don't reign 52 years unless things are going well. Are you with me? So he started when he was 16, but he reigns 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Yekuliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amatsiah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah. That's Zechariah the prophet. One of the books in scripture is titled after his name, who had understanding in the visions of God. Side note it's important to see that God has visions for all of his people, but oftentimes you can't understand and see the fulfillment of those visions without people that God sends in your life to help serve what He's doing in you and through you. What I'm trying to say is there's no individual Christianity. You don't see that biblical. We're a body. We're in need of each other. I think it's very interesting that, that Uzziah prospered in God's purpose for him, but he also had prophetic representation. He had others helping him in it, and I believe it's the same for us today. But notice verse 5 says, he sought God, and as long as, someone say as long as. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. I want to preach a message to you today titled, The Land of As. The Land of As. And I want to pray. Father, I thank you that we have access to your throne of grace to receive help. And I'm asking for that help. Precious ministry of the Holy Spirit, the great helper, to help enlighten hearts and minds and pull down strongholds and blinders off people's lives that would keep them from seeing and believing in the land of As. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would make much of Jesus, that He would be exalted, that His love and truth would be sensed to every By every person here today, I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Time and time again, the imagination of children have come alive with the thoughts of another type of existence. Time and time again, the imagination of children's and their minds have wondered and thought about another type of experience. That there's some land, there's some experience somewhere where fulfillment is the norm. Failure is not the norm. Sorrow and heartache is not the norm. But fulfillment is the norm. A land and a place where what is wrong gets better. From books geared towards this theme like the Neverland of Peter Pan to the Land of Oz and the Wizard of Oz and the Oz series books. I personally believe that scripturally we find that the reason for this visionary sense and imaginative desire of children is rooted in what Jesus says in Mark 10 and 14. Now the context of Mark 10 and 14 is that children are being brought to Jesus. His disciples not truly understood yet the fullness of the kingdom of God was resisting the children being brought to Jesus. Thinking Jesus had so much going on, Jesus was so busy that he didn't have time for the kingdom. But Jesus makes this astounding statement and declaration in Mark 10 and 14. He says, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus says, the kingdom of God belongs to every little child, every child that is born, every child in the womb of every nation, that the kingdom of God belongs to them. In fact, you find Scripture is clear that one of the eternal purposes of God, of why God even created the earth and created mankind and created all that we see, the sun and the moon and the stars, it was the purpose of the kingdom. The purpose of the kingdom. And though the kingdom of God belongs to every little child, their experience and what they see and hear is so contrary to it growing up. I want to tell everyone here today that as good as your life was growing up, or even as bad as it was, though the kingdom of God is rightfully yours because you were created by God and His purpose for your life is to live in a relationship with Him for eternity into His kingdom. None of us saw and heard completely in our experience that kingdom. We've all experienced things that's contrary to the kingdom of God in our upbringing in our experience, in our life, and what we see and hear and look around us in the nations and in our culture. And this, therefore, awakens the need for children and even adults to use their imagination and visionary impulses. There is this awareness in children early on that what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and what I'm experiencing is not the way things were meant to be. Therefore, they begin to imagine that there's got to be a place. There's got to be a land. There's got to be an experience where righteousness flows like a river, where goodness of God is experienced continually, where evil doesn't prevail, but justice and triumph and beauty and the glorious nature of God prevails. Jesus in His first coming and what, Hebrews calls the days of his flesh. He comes and he begins to teach and he says clearly, because of my presence the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus clearly says because of what I'm going to accomplish, the kingdom of God was breaking in. He came declaring that the rule of God was taking over. Now what that clearly means for you and I For those that heard it with their natural ears in the days of His flesh, as Scripture records, what it clearly meant to them is that what had previously been taking place, what they had been experiencing up to that point, what had happened in their life was not the complete rule of God. That they had not completely experienced the kingdom of God or the will of God. And here is our tie-in to us who are here today. I want to tell you that what has primarily been taking place in your life, what has primarily happened in your life, what you have primarily experienced and seen and saw around you in life is not the rule of God. is not the kingdom of God nor the will of God. And the good news is, is Luke 12, 32, Jesus assures our hearts and our minds and all of us today, regardless of our experience up to this point, He assures us, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Father delights and is pleased to give you The kingdom. He's not asking you to earn it. He's not asking you to strive for it. He's not asking you to qualify for it. He's asking you to believe the word that was preached to them that's preached to us. That the kingdom belongs to you and God has made a way when there was no other way and His name is Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is at hand. Now for us who's distanced 2,000 years from that declaration doesn't excite us as much. But when you have a people who for thousands and thousands of years have heard that there's going to be a different type of experience, there's going to be a breaking in of the will of God who's clear because they were oppressed physically. Right? Right? they're oppressed physically, things ain't going well in their natural life, they long for God's will to break in to where they're oppressed, where they're depressed, where they're hindered, where they're hurting, where they can't prosper, where things can't seem to go right. They long for the kingdom to break in. And today the kingdom's at hand. Whether child or adult, we still long for a land. We still long for an experience different than what has been so far. You say, well, Pastor Chad, we live in a, an area and there's so many middle to upper class people. People that for the most part don't worry about bills being paid and car payments being missed. And Yeah, but you, you got to understand that the kingdom is full of joy. I found a lot of people with a lot of stuff and yet don't have the kingdom because God's prosperity adds no sorrow with it. It adds no sorrow to their home. It adds no sorrow to their family and their children, their upbringing. Because it's of the kingdom, not of this world. He says, do not fear, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We all long for this different experience than what has been so far. And the good news is you can experience different today. The good news is is your future can experience different Because the kingdom of God has come. I'm believing that by the power of the Holy Spirit on the authority of the Word and the promises of God that the Holy Spirit would give you today an expectation renewal. I am believing for the Holy Spirit who changes and circumcised hearts and minds to do it today in your life that you would get an expectation renewal. That when you think about the future of God and what God has for you in Jesus Christ, you have a renewal in your expectation. That you don't allow your past and the past hurts and past experiences and past failures to be the determining factor of what you expect in your future. That there is an expectation renewal that it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom that there is more joy, that there is more peace, that there is more practicing of righteousness and experiencing the good will of God for your life and for your future, for your marriage, for your business and for your family. Maybe some of you here today have experienced the kingdom of God breaking in here and there in your life as you have followed Jesus Christ. But listen to me, when we talk about a land, we're talking about an abiding experience. When you talk about land, you're talking about somewhere and something where we can dwell in. We're talking about a continual experience and continually seeing the kingdom of God in our sphere and in our midst and in our life and in our home and in our heart. And This is exactly what God wants to communicate to us here today. The land of as a dwelling and an abiding experience of the kingdom of God. It is the land of As, as we're calling it today. Jesus made it clear when he came. He said, I come to give life, but he didn't end there. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. He who has the Son has the life, the apostle John says. But I have found by the hundreds and by the thousands and people I haven't met by the tens of thousands who have the life of Jesus but don't have the rest of the verse where Jesus said, I come to give life, but life more abundantly. I've come not just to get life on the inside of you, but that you have a continual abiding of the land of as. Kingdom experience continually. And I have found that this abundant life that Jesus purchased and came to give us, came to give and acquire for us is dependent on three things. As long as, as much as, as far as. Will you say that with me? As long as, as much as, and as far as. Let me talk to you. Up front, first, about as long as. Notice in our text in 2 Chronicles 26 and 3, Uzziah was 16 years old. He becomes king. He reigns 52 years. And notice what it said. That as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. That means he was successful in the plan and the purpose that God had for him. That means he was successful using the talents and the skills and the opportunity that God had for him. God made him prosper. But notice, it was as long as he sought the Lord. Notice, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Now for those of you that were here last week or listened, coming off last week's message, I hope you understand the key, the key of the Lordship of Christ in your life. Now, I'm not talking about the Lordship of Christ just generally in your confession Jesus is Lord. I'm talking about the key of the Lordship of Christ in the very specifics of your life. I'm talking about the application specifically that He is in application Lord over your pursuits. He's Lord over your desires. He's Lord over your money. He's Lord over your relationships. He's Lord over your mouth. He's Lord over your meditations. He's Lord over your career. Lord over your future. He's Lord over your home. He is Lord in practice and in application. And He's Lord of all. If you understand that key, that's what we pastors are called to do. We preach that key in a thousand different ways until by the Spirit of God you accept the key. That it's not just confessing Jesus as Lord generally, but it's in allowing the Holy Spirit to apply practically His Lordship in every area of your life. Then, and only then, you're ready for this, what the Lord's saying. As long as He is Lord over all, God will make you prosper. You say, Pastor Chad, prosper in what? Prosper in the will of God for your life. There wouldn't be something Scripture calls the will of God if God didn't want you to be successful in that will. Come on. God doesn't have a will and a plan for your life and then hope that you fail and don't experience that will. The fact that God has a will for your life means God wants you to successfully walk in and experience His will. Can I get an amen? But notice it's as long as you seek the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper in that what God had designed for him. As long as he's Lord over your life, God will make you prosper in his will for every area of your life, for relationships, for finances, for your career, for your purpose, emotionally. He'll make you prosper. I have found that there has to be such a renewal in our hearts and minds and I can tell you personally how much there had to be a renewal in my own heart and mind. Based on religion and based on how you understand Scripture, based on images and things that you were taught or not taught, oftentimes we find that our thinking is contrary to actually the right application of Scripture and the Father's heart who longs to give you the kingdom. I have found that that I have fought against God's provisions and blessings in my life maybe at times just as much as the devil. Are you with me? I have found God challenging me the last several years with this statement, just let me love you. So often we say, God... I know you've shown me this. I know you have this for me. I know you've promised this for me. But God, I haven't earned it yet. I'm not worthy of it yet. And we resist God's love giving us what He longs to give us, not because we are worthy, but because we follow the one who alone is worthy, and His name is Jesus. As we sang, He alone deserves all the praises. The praise is yours alone, Lord Jesus. I think about the text that I read during offering time of David. The Bible says, David received plans from the Spirit. I love that. See, God has plans for you. It's no different. You find it. You know, oftentimes we get on people quoting... Jeremiah 29 11 and say well that was to Jeremiah but the problem is you find that God's promise to all his people is not I'm trying to destroy you I'm trying to harm you I'm trying to make you fail I'm trying to make you you know a loser that's not what scripture says the Bible says that God wants his people to experience his will you know why because your life is a reflection of the one you serve your life is a reflection of who's Lord in your life You go into a nation and it is absolute in rubble. It's a reflection of what? The leadership. Jesus wants you to prosper in His will because it's a reflection of His Lordship. That yes, there's a devil, but he's still Lord. That yes, there's circumstances and the enemy came in like a flood in your life, but Jesus is still Lord. That just like Paul said in Romans 8, 28 and 29, and we know that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm going to preach it. David's got plans of the Spirit and he begins to tell the people and tell his son Solomon in preparation they're going to build a temple. Now, God's not building just physical temples today. He's building people who are His dwelling place. God wants to build your life as His temple. Notice what He says in 1 Chronicles 29, 10, and 11. It's an amazing thing. David knew the key. And the Bible speaks about the key of David, and this is one of the keys of David. I'm going to tell you. David wasn't a perfect person, but God made him prosper in in God's will for his life because he understood this key. And here's the key. Therefore David blessed the Lord before all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, Lord God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Notice that. God, what you're calling us to put our hands to is not for our greatness and for our name and for our praise. God, what you have planned for us and what you're putting our hands to and you're leading our feet to is for your greatness and for your glory. That's the Lordship. Watch this. The power and the glory, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom of the Lord. Here it is. And you are exalted as head over all. David understood. David understood that as long as they kept the Lord as head over and leader over it all, that all of the plans of the Spirit that God had for them, they would see accomplished. I want to tell you today that as long as you keep Jesus Christ practically as head over all, you will walk in the fulfillment of the promises of God that are yes and amen for your life. David said, you're exalted as head over all. As long as you exalt the Lord Jesus as head over all the areas of your life, then what God has designed in your life to be built will prosper. See if God planned it because He wants it to come to pass. I have found that so often it's not God resisting what He's planned for me. It's that God can't give me what He's planned for me because I'm not in the right posture. It's as long as... Uzi, I sought the Lord, then God made what he was called to prosper and succeed. Notice the condition relationship, fellowship. This is what Jesus said, right? You say, Oh, that's Old Testament. Well, how about Jesus for you? Luke 12 and 30. Jesus said, For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. Verse 31. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Pastor Chad, you don't understand what I'm going through, and I don't know what to do. What should I do? Seek first the kingdom. That's what in Matthew's account, the gospel writer Matthew, he records Jesus saying in this context, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know who His righteousness is? Jesus. That's why Hebrews 12 said, I know you're in a race. I know there's a lot happening. There's a lot of potential distractions. There's a lot of things that's rolled across your path. But if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, He is the author and the perfecter and the finisher of the faith that He gave you. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 29 and 30, God made Jesus your righteousness. As long as you seek first the kingdom and seek first Jesus, God will make you prosper in what He's planned for your life. Notice the verses we looked at previously. It's connected to that. The Father's good pleasure to give you the land, to have you experience the land of As, to have you experience the kingdom of God continually in your life, in the rule of God, in your life and in your circumstances and in your sphere of influence. It's connected to seeking first. The kingdom of God and Jesus. So you don't understand the circumstances I'm going through. Maybe not. You might ask me, what am I to do? I'm going to tell you. You're to seek first the kingdom and Jesus. Pastor Chad, I'm newly married and it's such a challenge. What should I do? Seek first His kingdom and Jesus. I've been married a long time and We're having to grow in this new season of life. What should I do? Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness. This leads us to a question. It leads me to a question. What does His Lordship look like? What does Jesus being head over all practically mean? As long as Jesus was Lord, as long as He sought the Lord, God made Him prosper. So what does it mean practically for Jesus to be Lord in my life? What does it mean practically for Jesus to be Lord in your life, in your marriage? and What you're going through? Well Paul to the church in Colossae in his letter titled Colossians in chapter 1 verses 15 and 18 when he's telling the church to get their eyes back on the supremacy of Jesus. Get their eyes back on Jesus who is Lord over all, that the kingdom of God is at hand and don't get distracted by what's happening in the world around them that they can have a different experience, that you can experience the land of As while other people have a different experience because you are under the lordship of Jesus and the kingdom of God is at hand. And he reminds them of three things. He says, He, Jesus, is, in verse 15, the image. Someone say the image. He tells them in verse 17, He, Jesus, is before all things. Someone say before all things. Then he says in verse 18, He, Jesus, is the head. Someone say the head. What this means is, is practically for us who are here today and those listening, practically for me and practically for you, this means that His Lordship in our life means we seek to bear His image and no other. As Pastor Craig mentioned last week, I don't look to Cosmo and GQ. I don't look to the news. I don't look to the people of the world and their standards and their opinions to determine the image I'm to be conformed to. I'm a Romans 12, 1 and 2 person and so are you. We're to be conformed to the image of Jesus, not conformed to the image of the world. By the renewing of our mind, that's why we need an expectation renewal. That we're being conformed to His image and no other. Free from the expectations of men and people around us, free from the expectations of religion. People that have a form of godliness but have never known and experienced the power. We're to be conformed to his image and no other. Also, practically for us and for me and for you, this means that his lordship in our life means we put him before all things in our life. Before all things. Jesus is not compartmentalized just to a Sunday experience. But before all things and all days, Jesus is before all things. He precedes it. I put Jesus before all things. It's easy right now as a University of Kentucky basketball fan to put Jesus before basketball. I almost started an online bidding last, uh, last night for all my Kentucky stuff. I was raised to bleed blue. My grandfather, growing up, had the most U.K. memorabilia in the world. So we, we were raised to love Kentucky. Which you, a lot of people don't know, though, is I went two years without watching Kentucky basketball. It's easy right now not to watch it. In fact, I was looking at what's the recruits coming in next year, because I've I've surrendered this year. What am I saying? Before all things. Jesus before all things. Without it, things don't work. It's seek first the kingdom in Jesus if you want God to make you prosper in His will. Prosper in experiencing the promises of God. In fact, you know, that's why David was able to sl- slay Goliath because he allowed his God to be head over all of his life. I found at times I've gotten promises of God in my little sling in my mouth and I've tried to sling that rock, that promise of God towards my Goliath and yet the Goliath keeps mocking me. You know why? The psalmist said that when we're not surrendered practically in that area to the lordship of Jesus, then we are like a hypocrite taking that promise in our mouth. And I found that oftentimes it's not that God don't want the victory in a different experience for me. He's waiting for me to surrender practically to His Lordship in that area. And when I get in the right posture, then God makes me prosper in that area and Goliaths fall, walls of Jericho fall. Let me hear an amen. Come on. Practically, Jesus is Lord. This means practically for us, for me, for you. This means that the Lordship in our life, His Lordship in our life, means we are to ask first, for his will and wants at all times in our life. God, I got job options. Well, we ask first, what job do you want from me? Ladies, you got four men hot on the trail. It means you ask first, if any of them, right? Ladies, by the way, bring your men here. Don't leave here and go wherever they're at. <laughs> But we ask His will and His wants at all times in our life. Say, so, Pastor Chad, I'm in a new season. What do I do? Well, the Lordship of Jesus means you ask, What is your will and want for this season? During the fast that we just came off of corporately, I spent a good bit of time in Isaiah 58. It's known by scholars and people as the fasting chapter. The Lord spoke to me in several ways out of the passage. I want to show you one of the ways that he spoke to me in Isaiah 58 and verse 13. It says, "If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord honorable." Now, for us in the New Testament, what this means is God had commanded Israel to obey the Sabbath. For us in the New Testament, means anything that God speaks to you, you got to surrender, you got to obey. This was a command. You say, we don't have commands in the New Testament. Sure you do. Anything Jesus tells you is a command if He's your King and Lord. It's just now in the New Testament, we don't go and find 613 commands and laws that we got to learn. It's we go to a living person that we are, according to Romans 7, married to. We don't seek laws and rules of do's and don'ts. We seek the one who is head of our life in Lord Jesus to get commands. Then when He speaks, here it is. If you obey that, just like they were not obeying the command He gave them, and it says, and shall honor Him. Meaning, do you know what honoring the Lord is? you know what practically His Lordship looks like? Honoring Him in what He speaks to you. He says, and shall honor Him. Watch this, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. I about flipped out of my chair when I read that. You know why? Because for two years, God had been showing me in Scripture. You can go back, me and Pastor Craig did E2E Labs, which is talking about moving people from entitlement to empowerment. We've done them in different parts of the country. In the last two years that we did it, the main thing God gave me to begin to declare was what Jesus in Matthew 5 and 7, when He talks about His community that He's forming, When you find those that are fruitful and those that are not, he talks about three things. Their words, the will they live for, and the way they go about fulfilling his will. And for the first time, I read Isaiah 58 a lot of times, but I saw it, it's right here. Notice it says, not doing your own ways, that's his way. So Pastor Chad, what does honoring the Lord look like for me practically? It means not doing your own way, but surrendering to his way. Meaning the Lord not only tells us to do things, but He also tells us how He wants it done. It's an amazing thing. That's why people say, well, the end justifies the means, not in the kingdom. You know, there were demons who were going around using people saying that Jesus is the Christ, and He told them to shut up. Meaning God didn't want demons testifying about Jesus as King. Meaning the means matters. The way Then he says, not finding your own pleasure. That's taught, that's his will. Not living for my will and pleasure, but for his will. And then he says, nor speaking your own words. So practically for us, what does honoring the Lord and practically his lordship look like in our life? It looks like his way, his will, and his words. I have found that when I'm not prospering and God's not making me prosper in something I know is His will and instead I'm being plundered, it's like the enemy's coming in, it's like I'm defeated, it's like I'm hitting a wall, it's like failure, it's like no success, it's like nothing's going on, it's like I'm like Israel going around the mountain for 40 years. I have found that in one of those three places, I'm not honoring and practically living out His Lordship. Sometimes I get my own words in my mouth. Complain. Get doubt instead of his words. Came across this picture of this tree, and it so stood out to me what the Lord put on my heart to communicate today, and I think they'll put it up. Notice the one tree that's down on the ground. See, that's what coming out of our fast and in the, talking about the Lordship of Jesus, that's what it looks like. It means us bowing down to Him as King, Him as Lord. We're not trying to stand erect and get a name for ourselves and get glory for ourselves and draw people to ourselves. We're bowing down just like David said, saying, Yours is the kingdom. You alone are worthy. You alone be praised. And here's the amazing thing. When the tree got bowed down, you would think that person, their life's over. Nothing's going to happen. But when the tree got bowed down, four more trees grew out of it. Oh, I love it. When you bow down and surrender practically in areas, then fruitfulness and multiplication comes in that area. You begin to prosper in what the will of God, which is multiplication in your life so that you are blessed in areas to be a blessing. You understand if your marriage is not blessed, you can't bless other people's marriages. You understand if you're not blessed financially, you can't bless someone else. You understand if you're not blessed with experiencing the joy of His kingdom, you sure ain't got no joy to give anybody else. Are you with me? Ain't that a beautiful picture? We surrender and bow down. God brings growth. He brings multiplication. He brings fruitfulness. I couldn't help but think dwelling place. As we stay in a posture acknowledging that Jesus be head over all, that it's Him who's building this church. This church isn't something you go read in leadership books. This is not about techniques and and all of that. And I love all churches and all pastors and all that. And I pray for them. But listen, this is something we're saying God, you got to build us. God, you have to knit us together supernaturally to make a dwelling place of your spirit so that you get more praise and more honor, that your kingdom manifests. Not just people come in and go back to the same life, but I'm talking about people come in broken and the power of God heals hurts. I'm talking about people think that their past failures and things that made them fall, that God uses that and resurrects a testimony out of it. I'm talking about the power of God quickening people and giving them dreams and visions to be a blessing to people around them. I'm talking about the supernatural work and testimony that Jesus Christ is King. Can I hear an amen? I thought of another illustration, a football one. UCF football. Now for any Georgia fans in the house, since we can't, I'm being we, I'm being nice, I'm identifying with the suffering of our people. (laughs) But since UGA fans can't declare national champions this year, I say we all just declare the real national champion is UCF because they went undefeated. Alabama didn't go undefeated, but UCF went undefeated. But you know what stands out to me? Two years. Someone say two years. Two years ago, they were 0 and 12. If you don't know sports, what that means is they stunk. Things weren't going good. Two years later, undefeated. Is that not like some of our lives and some of our past and some of our past seasons? Is that not like some of our experience before when we were in a test and in a trial or being tempted? We went 0 and 12. But how two years later can they go 0 and 12 to 13 and 0? I'll tell you how. They got a new coach. And because they got a new coach, they got a new playbook. And it's the same for you and I. When we get a new coach in areas, I'm not talking about just generally Jesus is Lord, but when we have an area where we're going 0 and 12 and the enemy keeps coming and failure keeps coming and we're not experiencing God's will in an area and it's defeat after defeat and it's sorrow after sorrow and it's you know not experiencing the promises of God, listen, we need a new coach in that area. Surrendering to the lordship of Jesus and surrendering to His words and playbook to our situation. Can I hear an Amen. You know the very next verse of 13 after it says, when you practically begin to honor the Lord and live out practically His Lordship? Look at verse 14. Then, someone say then. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. What else? And I will cause you. That sounds like what he did to Uzziah. How he made him prosper. Notice he made him prosper. Listen, I've had God do me good even when I was resisting him doing me good. I've had God love on me and bless me and work in areas of my life and the whole time I'm saying I'm not worthy, God. I didn't earn it. He said, oh, but I delight to give you my kingdom. You read 1 Corinthians 15, it says that God will give you the victory through Jesus Christ. I've had seasons in my life where I was trying to earn the victory, earn my deliverance, earn being godly and the whole time the Father's waiting for me to bow down and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus, so He could give me the victory. Can I hear an amen? God of all grace, worthy of all glory. He says, I'll cause you to ride on the high heels of the earth. The high heels of the earth. That's like what Paul said in Ephesians 2, that you not only were died and buried with Christ, if you're born again, but you were raised with Christ and have been seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That means that's your place of victory. He said, I'll cause you to ride on the high heels of the earth. I'll cause you to experience the victory of Jesus in areas. And watch this, and feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. You know what that is? That's the promises of God that are yes and amen. When you get in this posture, when you get in this place, then He feeds you with it. What does that mean? You experience it. I know believers by the hundreds if not thousands who know a lot of promises but they don't eat those promises meaning they don't experience them. Are you with me? This is what God says. He says, then you'll experience the promise. You'll experience the land of Az. He says, I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob. That's our inheritance. You believe we have an inheritance in Christ that he purchased because his work? I do. It's what the Bible says. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I think about this, I think about Joshua. Think about Joshua, how he's taking on a new role and a new task. It's a new season in his life. And he was following Moses' leadership. And Moses dies. And God says, now, Joshua, you're the one to continue to lead. It's a major undertaking. But notice what God tells Joshua. And God would say the same to you today. No matter what season you're in, no matter what task you're undertaking, newly married, being married for a long time, more kids, new kids on the way, says this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know what that's called? His words. Same thing he said in Isaiah 58. But you shall meditate in it day and night. You know what that's called? His way. So it's one thing to get his word to your situation. It's another thing to get his words in your mouth. But then the way is also you got to keep meditating. That's what Paul told Timothy. He said Warfare's coming but you got to wage warfare with the prophecies, what God's declared on your life. You meditate on it. Then he says this, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Now, I believe you're truly born again in a child of God. Every one of you through the new birth want to do God's will, but I found a lot of people, though they want to do God's will, they don't do God's will. Here's one of the keys, because we have to honor Him by surrendering our words and our complaining and our own understanding to His words, and we have to meditate on what God has said to us because, listen, without the meditation, you can't get your vision aligned with God's vision for your life. And that we're people of faith, which means we have to see what we're going to experience before we experience it. How does that happen? Meditation. You meditate on what God speaks to you, and it begins to change your expectation of your future. I told the story many times here of how my last year playing college baseball, I hit the most home runs than all previous years playing baseball at any level. And only changed two things, but one of them was my expectation. I used to go and eat lunch up above the field. And I began to look down at the field because growing up, normally I was a leadoff hitter, hit for average. And uh, I, I began to eat up above the field and it gave me a new perception. And I began to say, this field's small. It's small. I began to see the field different. And because I began to see the field different, it affected when I put that bat to that ball. It changed how I did that. It's the same for us. You can't let your past and your past failures and your experience from the marriage you observed in your parents or the home you grew up in or past failures, you can't allow that to stay as the vision of what God has for your future. You got to get his words. You got to get his way. Meditation. Then he says this: that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. That's his will. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. See, that's what biblical prosperity is. It's having good success in what God has for your life. That's why it's called the will of God. He wants you to have success in it. He don't want you to fail in what is his desire for you. That would make no sense. But notice it all flows out of honoring the Lord and our relationship and fellowship with Him and what He's speaking to us. What He's speaking to us. What's God saying to you today? Today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as they did in the day of rebellion. The question is, are you seeking Him first? Are you honoring Him? Because you will prosper as long as He's first and head over your life. Amen. Next you will prosper as much as. You'll not only prosper as long as you keep in first and practically Lord over every area that He's spoken to you and dealt with you about, but you'll also prosper according to as much as He's placed in you. What does that mean? Well, listen, if God has called you to start orphanages and to build orphanages that feed those that are without father and mother, you understand you're going to need more money than someone who's not called to start an orphanage. Because the last I found to live on this earth, it takes money to build buildings and it takes money to feed people. Are you with me? So what the Scripture says is you'll prosper as long as you seek Him and you'll also prosper as much as you need to prosper according to what He's called you. Some people are called to have more children than others. They call themselves to it. (laughs) You understand? Yeah. If not, may the Lord give you understanding. They need more provision than someone without children. This is what Paul said. In Romans 1.15, notice this, what he said. He said, so as much as in me, I love that. As much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul understood he could only preach and demonstrate the lordship and the victory of Jesus and that the kingdom of, of God's at hand depended upon as much as in him. As much as God put in him, his gifts, his call, but also as much as the word Paul put in him. I want to tell some of you, God wants to make you more successful in areas, but you got to get more of his word in you and not just your own words or what the world says about you or culture or where you grew up says about your future. You got to get God's word in you. But also, do you know why he desired to preach the gospel in Rome? Because he hadn't been to Rome yet. And he tells us why in verse 13, Romans 1, 13. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. See, Pastor Chad, there it is, the devil in circumcision. No, no, listen. You know what hindered him? It was not the enemy. It's that God was prospering him so much in where he was at, he was so fruitful in the will of God, he didn't have time to make it to Rome because he was being so fruitful where he was at. But he said, I long to be with you that I might have some fruit among you also just as among the other Gentiles. Paul knows he will prosper being fruitful for the kingdom of God based on as much as is in him. As much as God has gifted him, as much as God has placed in him, as much as God has called him to, that will determine how much he prospers. What does this mean? I have found when it comes to our fruitfulness that we are all very tempted... To compare ourselves to other people's fruitfulness. I have found when it comes to God's will and God's desire to prosper all His children that we are vulnerable to compare our level of prosperity with someone else's level of prosperity. Paul says very clearly in 2 Corinthians 10 12, it is not wise to compare yourself among yourself. You know why? Because we will all prosper as long as He is Lord as long as we seek Him. But listen, we will only prosper according to as much as in us. Meaning, based on the gift and the call of God, some of us will have a greater sphere of influence than others because of what God has designed for us. Some of us will need more resources than others because of how people how we're going to use those resources to be a blessing to others. Are you with me? Paul understands that our fruit is dependent of as much as Christ is Lord over me and as much as Christ has purpose for me and I'll prosper as much as I have the word in me. Which means when it comes to our focus, there's no need for comparison. We can have an expectation that all that God has designed for me, as long as I seek the Lord and keep Him first, He'll make my way prosperous and I don't need to compare to others same for us as a church we don't need to compare to others as long as we seek the Lord and keep him his head over all we're unstoppable in what God's called us to do listen I don't get faith for what God's called another church to do you don't get faith for another marriage but God will give you faith for your marriage can I get an amen hallelujah And then Paul, in 2 Corinthians 10, 13, he talks about his sphere or his field. find so often we begin to compare ourselves and say, oh man, I wish I had that person's job. Or I I wish I went to school and got the education. And look at that person, how God's blessing them in, in that field. And if I was in that field, God would bless me. No, 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 listen. You have your own field, your own sphere that God has for you. And you will prosper as you stay in that field and in that sphere. Can I hear an amen? Paul said that God made him fruitful in His sphere and in His field. Ain't this what Paul said in Ephesians 2 and 10? For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that. Listen, He's already prepared prosperity in the field, in the work. He already pre-planned fruitfulness and you being successful in His will. He already pre-planned it. When you were born again, He created you for it. But without an expectation renewal, you don't see that you were created to be successful in the will of God. And every time a different circumstance or someone says something to you, you begin to reflect on your past failures and your past experience instead of understanding God has the land of ass for you. To walk in continual kingdom experience of the will of God for your life. As much as He pre-planned, You'll walk in as long as Christ is Lord. You'll prosper as much as He planned, as Christ is Lord. Then look at Isaiah 58:11. It's one of the promises of God. To those that stay in the posture as Maddie comes, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. Strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Boy, that's important. See, the Bible says that Christ is God's seed. Paul says in Galatians 3 that when you respond and surrender to the lordship of Jesus in your life that the spirit of Christ comes inside of you. What that means is you have Christ the seed on the inside of you. But if you're a farmer or even have any knowledge of farming you understand that having seed is not enough. There's got to be water upon the soul and the seed for fruitfulness to happen. And God says as long as you seek me as long as you keep me first in that area then as much as I place within you as much as you are created for as much as the promises that are according to Christ in you you'll be fruitful in that you'll be like a well watered garden that other people can struggle and other people can have barrenness but God says to his children in the kingdom of God you'll be like a well watered garden hallelujah Psalms 1 and tell you you got to stop listening to the scoffers you got to stop walking in the way of the ungodly They're sent to talk you out of God making you successful in the plan of God. See, Jesus made it very clear in John 15. How does your heavenly Father get glorified in your life? It ain't by you failing in His will. It ain't by you being depressed and walking around hurt and walking around unsuccessful. Your Father's glorified when you bear much fruit. God promises you'll bear fruit as long as you seek glory. Seek Him first you'll bear fruit according to as much as in you. As much as you allow the Word to abide in you and you abide in Him, you'll bear much fruit in the sphere. Be successful in what God has called your hands to be put to. You'll be like a watered garden in a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Isaiah 61:11 prophet goes on and says for as the earth brings forth its bud as the garden calls us the things that are sown in it to spring forth so the lord god will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations without a shadow of a doubt i know the lord said a hey, dwelling place as long as you'll seek me and keep me as head and lord over this church and i'm the one that's building it i'll make this place a fertile ground that whatever person is sown here, whatever dream and calling is sown here, they'll be equipped for it. And I will cause the things that are sown in it to spring forth. I'll cause people to begin to practice righteousness. I'll cause Christ to be manifested in many ways to many people. I'll cause ministries and places and acts of compassion and things to come out of this place. That the Lord would be glorified. It'll be the land of Az. It'll be a consistent good soul. it'll be a place that's like a well-watered garden and it'll be fruitful for all that I have declared for it. The psalmist said in Psalms 85 and 12, yes, the Lord will give what is good. I love it. God longs to give you what is good and our land will yield its increase. That's the land of as. It's when your heart, it's when your life, it's when your sphere and what God has called you to, it becomes fruitful. According to His plan, the Lord will give you good. It's amazing. The Bible talks about that God is so generous. He's so benevolent. He's such a, a giving and a compassionate God that He even gives good things to unbelievers. And yet I find so many of us believers believe that God don't want to give us, His children, anything good. He makes His reign come on the just and the unjust. But I want to tell you as a child of God you have a benefit that someone that's without a covenant with God don't have. You have a benefit to be in a kingdom of grace where God's got power and glory for every need that we have. That we can go upon the high heels. That we can experience the promises that are yes and amen. That God can cause us to prosper and be successful in what He's called our hands be put to. So much He says in Isaiah 62.8 the Lord has sworn by His right hand and by the arm of His strength. Surely I will no longer give your grain as food for your enemies. Well, see, this is where God challenged me. See, I've grew up in the church, but I've had a lot of my grain. I've had a lot of what I've sought to do. I've had a lot of what I sought to accomplish or sought to move forward in. I've had a lot of it where the enemy came in and spoiled it. When we launched this church, we and raised finances and we had $30,000 of equipment we were mobile at the time and we bought a, a 20 foot trailer for the church that used to be in this facility and I had it parked right back out here on April 1st in 2012 I got a call while I was in the secret place before the gathering and the person picking up the trailer said pastor the trailer's not here I instantly went in my mind to what day it is it's April 1st I said oh man that's cool that's good that's a good joke pick up the trailer and get it there said, no, pastor, I'm not lying. See, I've had things, as I'm doing the will of God, go wrong. But I have found that they're just tests to see if you'll keep him as head over all. I found that they're just tests to see if you'll still say Lord it's for your praise and your glory it's not for me if things go wrong it's not really about me I'm doing this because you called me to do it I'm doing this because for your glory and your praise and I found that after the test has passed that there's a place called the land of Az that where the enemy used to be able to come in and steal and come in and kill and come in and get a place the Lord says no more no more will I allow that to happen the land of ass just like with solomon it said that i made all the enemies be subdued and i gave solomon rest i want to tell some people i know the enemies came and i know god's allowed the enemy to come but i want to tell you it's just a test Will you stay bowed down when trials and tribulations come? Will you still declare that Jesus is Lord? He's head over all. It's not my life. It's his life now. I'm telling you, if you do, you're about to have an expectation renewal that where the enemy came in and seemed to succeed in the past and you might be a tree that looks like you fell and bowed down, but fruitfulness is going to happen. Oh, God's plan's going to prosper. Oh, God's going to work in your heart and your life and your marriage and your career and you're going to have good success in the way of God as you honor him with his words, his will, in His way, can I hear an amen? That's why Proverbs sixteen seven says, "When a man's ways please the Lord, He makes even His enemies to be at peace with Him." Woo! The land of As, resting, the victory of Jesus. You say, Pastor Chad, there's one more point. There is. It says long as, as much as, and then as far as. It's a word for us here, dwelling place. It's a word for Dwelling Place Movement on this fast. said, Lord, as one of the overseers of the movement as a whole, and as an elder and overseer in this local church in the movement at Woodstock, Lord, what are you saying to us? He said, as far as. What? As long as you'll keep me, Lord, and seek me first. And as far as you go through the way that I've told you to go. Look at this, Isaiah 62, 9. But those who have gathered it shall eat it. We're gathering today. This is a promise for you. As you gather, God wants you to eat His good success for your life. But notice this, and praise the Lord. Don't allow circumstances what you're going through to take away your praise. God is a speaking God. You don't praise by being silent. You praise by getting the sacrifice of lips in your mouth. God didn't create a world without speaking and you're not going to see a difference in your world without speaking the high praises of God that though the enemies maybe seem like had some success, though there's been some failures, though there's been some circumstances and situations, you still are worthy you still are glorious, you still are all that I'm living for Jesus. Notice what it says those who have brought it together shall drink in my holy courts. Verse 10 go through, go through the gates prepare the way for the people you're new around here, you don't know yet that the strategy God gave us, we've called gates from the beginning. They all start with Gs. Gathering, growing, grouping, expressing, giving, and gifting teams, all to serve our going every moment of the day in every place. The Lord said, DP, as far as we have people who go through the gates, we are preparing the way for more people to come because it's time to grow. You know why? Because when we go through the gates, God begins to take the stones out of our heart. He begins to take the stones out of our way. Think about the parable of the sower. He begins to make us a fertile ground and a well-watered garden so that any family, any marriage, any person that's sown into this environment that will surrender to the key of His Lordship, He'll make them prosper in His will for them. He'll give them good success as far as you go through the gates determines what's being built in the kingdom of God through this local church and church planning movement because listen you are the church church this isn't my church we are the church of Jesus Christ the head and as far as we go through the gates stones will be removed growth will continue it's not just time to grow but God's saying you'll keep honoring me we'll be on a continual trajectory of growth and notice, maybe you missed it. You know what the potential is? Isaiah 61, 11, For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth. There it is, before all nations. See, when God led us up here to start this, He said, calling you to start a church planting movement. Not just one church. We're not even one church anymore. There's DP Orlando. There's DP Woodstock. That's two. But he says, as far as the nations is our potential, if we'll keep going through the gates, we'll, as long as we seek the Lord and keep him first, he'll cause us to prosper in what he's called us to. And as long as you seek the Lord, he'll cause you to prosper in the part you play here and also the life he has for you. Can I hear an amen? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.